Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and salutations, beloved. It is another edition of Revolutionary Voodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. All is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion, an attempt, and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. Come on in, come on in, the fire is hot, the water is a boiling, it's time to put something in this pot. Greetings, this is Monday, Monday, April 25th, 2022. Welcome, 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 come on in, come on in, all is a blessing, all is truly and indeed a blessing. Greetings from Science Welcome, welcome, this Black Monday. Come on, Jim. Come on, Jim. She's calling your name to win. Come back home to Africa. The fatted calf and golden ring are waiting for you once again. Yes, come on in. Greetings to Sally Stacey. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All is a blessing, all is a blessing, truly indeed. If you can just believe me, I'm still. All that an illusion and a test. I'm still going to pray God. Greetings, I think. Come on in. Uganda, come on in, Kenya. Welcome, welcome, Pakistan. Greetings, Iran, Salam, Turkey. Come on in, Ukraine. Come on in, Ukraine. Greetings, somebody in Ukraine is listening to this podcast right now. Oh my God, come on in, Poland. Greetings, Germany. Come on in, France. Welcome, welcome, welcome in the UK. Come on in, Ireland. Greetings, Spain. Spain and of course Portugal, Algeria, come on in Algeria, greetings Nigeria, welcome up, Bob to the Europe in Nigeria, come on in Brazil, greetings Argentina, welcome Venezuela, greetings Colombia, Benedicciones Colombia, welcome, 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 come on in Haiti, greetings Haiti, thank you so much for listening Come on in, Mexico. Come on in, Canada. Greetings and salutations to those I may have missed. Sweden, Sweden, come on in, Norway. Come on in, and of course, Russia is in the house. 
Japan, come on in, South Korea, Philippines, welcome, welcome, come on in, Indonesia, come on in, come on in, Malaysia, come on in, Australia, come on in, greetings, 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 New Zealand, New Zealand, all is a blessing, greetings, Monday, Monday, Black Monday, Today we acknowledge the that we often refer to as the warrior. But I like to say the foundation of a thing. The foundation, the direction, the planting of seeds with the anticipation of growth and abundance. Greetings, Christy London from New Orleans. Love my New Orleans. Greetings, Alexis Williams. So glad to see you in the house. Jules Burns, welcome, welcome. I'm sorry, Jules Birch. Welcome, beloved. Come on in. Come on in. Lateria Daniel, welcome, welcome. Al B. McKenzie, welcome, welcome, beloved. So glad to see you in the house. And Chef Bougie, you and your castle, come on in, beloved. Welcome, welcome. I certainly honor and acknowledge each and every one of you. I do not take your time your respect, your acknowledgement at high noon, you at Central Standard Time, lightly. You could be anywhere handling your business right now, and I'm grateful for my consistent participants, for my consistent listenership, and certainly for those who just like to sit back and observe. We certainly appreciate you and yours. My regulars know I like to start by saying, Eshua Legwana Kosi Were, Awo Onlo Uto Neiwo, Ada Afan Bo Osi, O Bachalami Itani Ebo, Nilio Aban Eshu. Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, uncovers fools. That one verse in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scatter to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Aboru, Aboye, Abushishe, Ashe. May our Ebo reach a rule. May our Ebo be accepted. May our Ebo allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say, Ashe, Asheo. Divine all blessed greetings and salutations. You are now sitting live with the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagoon Oboye Hudu Obeya Bokur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, universal, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, open your third eyes and see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. Why are we here? What is our purpose? What are we meant to do? What is the point? It is, again, one of the greatest 
divine mysteries of this life cycle. And indeed, it is my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and my ever-living reality. It's one thing to be able to say it out your mouth. It's a whole other thing to be able to repeat it in your head, in your consciousness. Some of y'all know, we type at a certain speed, 65, 72 words a minute, whatever it might be. We speak at another ratio of speed. Some of us, rappers, hip-hop artists speak a little bit faster than others. Poets might speak a little bit more uh, specifically and dramatically and, and give some pause. But we speak at different ratios, and certainly our minds run at various ratios. And our minds can repeat, can duplicate a a negative thought, dark energy, dark matter, thousands of times within the course of a minute. You can say self-destructive things thousands of times in the course of a minute. And not just say it in your head, but give it jiffies and give it memes and give it videos and give it imagery and every cell in your body resonates in the moment in that reality because all realities exist in this present moment in time space. So certainly when we dream, when we have vision, when we imagine, when we use the creative facilities of our consciousness to envision a more hopeful, more powerful future, you shift every cell and molecule in your body and the universe must align to your note, to your tone, to your frequency. So this remains my prayer and my mantra. It is my affirmation for those of you who understand the power of affirmation. It is my verberation because I repeat it as often as possible. It is my reiteration because I envision it and I plant it in everything that I say and do, my very being. Therefore, it is my ever-living reality. It's crucial to my foundation, my understanding, my teaching, my walk along this divine, all-blessed journey. My journey is always going to be divine, all-blessed, okay? Always. It is how I make sense out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Father Earth. It is my personal place of power and understanding, the place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is, I say. Today, I'm vibrating high this Black Monday, April 25th, 2022, and I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you now live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum, universally from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince, Thai Potions, Hoodoo Central, LLC, in this beautiful, historic, legendary, and some would say most haunted. And I would say, indeed, most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, 
the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this hoodoo obey a life path and journey. Spiritualists hoodoo obey a life path and journey, passing down the great obvious stick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, and minerals, and indeed the legacy, culture, and tradition, the history of our sacred stories. Please do feel free to stop now and take a sip of your beverage and enjoy your medications. And please do like, follow, and subscribe. Like, follow, and subscribe on all platforms for which you are now enjoying this podcast. And maybe you're not quite enjoying it and you're just checking it out and you're just a little skeptical. Well, well, well let me help you. I'm on Facebook. Facebook, Divine Prince Ty Emeka. I'm on Instagram, Divine Prince Ty Emeka. I'm on Twitter, The Divine Prince. I'm on YouTube, Voodoo Ty. I'm on TikTok, The Divine Prince. But I certainly invite you to like, follow, and subscribe on all available platforms. Certainly blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince and youtube.com forward slash voodoo tie v-o-o-d-o-o-t-y-e understanding that the creation of sacred space is critical to all that we do all we are who we be at any present moment in time space i am because my creators are I am, I am, breathe and say I am because my creators are all powerful, open, and receptive to all that operates for my good here and now in this most present moment in time space. I create, say I create, I create and recreate the reality that mirrors my best interest. I am, I am releasing and letting go of those things which impede my progress. This fire, this fire that dwells within consumes all but the truth. That which is not needed, we must let it go. That which is not useful, you must let it go. The illusion of the block, the issue, the complication, we must release it back into the dark space, back into dark matter, back, back into the black hole, into the depths of the, of the black obsidian sphere, and allow the light to fill in those empty spaces and places and illuminate that which is already standing Black Monday on a foundation of strength, foundation of iron, a, a, a scaffolding that can indeed support, support, your structure. I am grateful for indeed we never lost connection to spirit. We never lost connection to the spiritual realm. We never lost connection to our ancestors. We've never lost connection indeed to who we are at the core. So spiritual knowledge and power is great to be spoken and spit and prophesied and, 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 and poeticized. But indeed, it lies in its efficacy. 
in its ability to produce and manifest powerful, reliable, tangible, lasting manifestation and results right here, right now, in this most present moment in time space. All else is vanity. All else is the ego. All else is an illusion. It is what we create and recreate in the light right now in this most present moment in time space. So I, in keeping in tune with my with my journey, and certainly my regular listeners would expect that of me. Uh, before I get into my topic, really, I want to talk a little bit about ancestors. Uh, I pray you all are with me. The chat is freezing up on me just a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but all is a blessing. Yeah, the chat is frozen, but if I refresh the page, I'll, I'll lose the show. So I'll just move on and pray that the chat will work itself out in a timely manner. I'm also available on the Blog Talk Radio platform now by way of chat. So you can visit my blog, talkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prayer. And you can also chat me your questions, comments, or requests by way of the Blog Talk Radio platform. In the event that, um, okay, we got, okay, we, we might be back on, maybe, just maybe, but we got back up in, in the event that things don't uh, clarify itself moving forward. So I'm grateful this Monday, April 25th, for another update for Ancestry, those who are doing ancestor work and divination. Um, have a little bit more of an intimate relationship to this information, but certainly those who are researching, curious, who who are investigating, who just want to hear, uh, might be interested in my infrequent ancestry updates. Um, I've shared, as a vessel for teaching, my own uh, information, my own updates along the journey um, to sort of help some of you understand the nooks and crannies of Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and certainly some of the other um, less known but newer sites that are certainly gaining popularity. And I want to reiterate for my new listeners, your results don't quote-unquote change. They evolve. And sometimes they evolve rather quickly, Um, two weeks you might want to go back and check your account. 30 days, you certainly want to go back and check your account. Uh, 90 days, you probably overdue uh, and have updates waiting in your account that you haven't even looked at uh, or, or noted. So as they gain more copies through those of us who share our DNA, but certainly through archaeology and other means that the scientific community may be gathering DNA, um, as they gain access to that information, our results are compiled and compared again against those results. And so your results evolve a little bit, can become much more specific.
for example. Uh, we often have a conversation in our community about indigenous Americans and and black people being here in America before enslavement. Um, and certainly, you know, I personally have shared my own journey with that. You know, I, I was just not on board with it uh, in the beginning. It, there just wasn't any evidence of African, quote, unquote, DNA uh, in, in the Americas that would match sort of the story. Uh, and then I started seeing more genetic results show up for myself and, and my mother, who's also taken uh, both tests, uh, and my sister, Wapani, uh, who I believe has only taken um, Ancestry.com. Uh, I don't think she's taken 23andMe yet. I'm not sure about that. I could be wrong, but I don't think she has. But anyway, um, I certainly have many godchildren initiates, even clients who are in the system, and we compare notes. We share information. And there was a time that I had a wide-ranging uh, map view of indigenous so-called DNA, uh, far north uh, in the Americas as you could go, um, uh, and then almost to, to the tip of South America. And then that evolved, and it shrunk. And then it sort of turned into a hourglass with, you know, a large region open uh, in the Americas, in Mexico, and in the region of the Americas that was formerly Mexico. And then in northern uh, South America, to, to include Brazil. And now here recently, that has evolved. And now it's just the Americas and Mexico. And I've said before on this platform that in researching the burial sites of enslaved Africans during the Middle Passage, the largest number, the largest count I found were in Mexico. And that's a little understood, little discussed nuance of our history uh, here in, 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 the, in North America. Uh, so now I'm looking at a map that has a, a general area over, I guess that would be southwestern U.S., uh, including uh, uh, California, but not quite as far north as Oregon or Washington, uh, and then certainly uh, the Midwest, probably into Kansas, and, and then um, Kansas, Colorado, uh, that whole region, New Mexico, of course, Texas, and then Mexico itself proper. Uh, and then the results in Ancestry.com tend to be generalized to region, not ethnicity. So, you know, I have Mali, I have Norway, I have Southern Bantu, uh, the indigenous America uh, with Mexico, hyphen Mexico. Scotland, Benin, Togo, Ivory Coast, England, northern, uh, northwestern Europe, Cameroon, Congo, Western Bantu people, and and the greatest percentage, Nigeria. And that's Ancestry.com. Now, Ancestry.com, now I don't know how old this update is. I typically keep up. Um, on a regular basis, so I didn't discover this update until today. And it tries to demonstrate ethnicity based on which parent you derive that, that gene footprint from. 
And again, on the surface, it's it's general by region, by region. So one of my parents, and I can kind of guess which, um, I acquired all of my Nigerian ancestry from, all of it, from just one of my parents. Uh, and then that parent, and again, I, I, I kind of got an idea who it is, then that parent um, really provides very little else in terms of my DNA. And, and understand that your parents don't pass down everything all the time in completion. Uh, and that's why you can't depend on your brother or sister test, for example. Uh, both me and my sister Wapani and my uh, older sister Kimberly have tested. And so our tests don't, you know, look exactly alike uh, in any way. Um, and so having your own test, your own examination um, is critical particularly if you're trying to do uh, ancestor work in DNA, if you're trying to do, you know, real self-exploratory examination on your roots. So the parent who gave me all of my Nigerian bloodline uh, also gave me some Cameroon, Congo, Western Bantu. However, I received a greater portion of Cameroon, Congo, Western Bantu from the other parent. Uh, the parent who gave me the greatest amount of Nigeria also gave me Benin and Togo. But so too does the other parent offer me Benin, Togo, but in a greater portion. Very interesting. The same parent who gave me all of my Nigerian blood, which according to Ancestry.com is 39%. Uh, I believe, wait, let me look. I think it was 39 Yeah, 39%. Also gave me a small percentage of Scottish blood. And the same parent, and the other parent has no Scottish blood. The same parent who gave me 39% of my Nigerian blood also gave me Senegalese blood. The other parent gave me Senegalese blood almost in equal amount, almost in equal amount. Uh, am I forgetting anything? Uh, let's see before I move on. Oh, this parent that gave me 39% of my Nigerian blood, um, according to Ancestry.com, gave me zero indigenous American and Mexican blood. Zero. This parent with 39, that gave me 39% Nigerian blood, gave me no Ivory Coast or Ghanaian blood. My Ivory Coast Ghanaian blood came from the other parent. The other parent also gave me my Malian blood. The parent with the 39% Nigerian has no now, gave me no Malian blood. The parent with 39% Nigerian blood has gave me, I have to be careful about my language, gave me no Southern Bantu blood, but the other parent did. And finally, 
the parent with the most Nigerian blood, who gave me the most Nigerian blood, also gave me a very small percentage of English and Northwestern European blood. The other parent gave me that blood and in a much larger percentage. So it's really interesting how DNA works. And when I say I can assume who, because they're very clear that they derive these results from your results and not without having done detailed, specific results on each parent. That's why these tests are 79 you know, $100. Okay, it's other sites that are not as popular, often because they're more expensive and in some cases more scientific, that is going to require your mama's blood, your father's blood, and it's going to have a much more specific and detailed analysis of the results. But I can assume as much that the parent that gave me almost 40% Nigerian blood is my mother and gave me small variations of some other stuff, but small variations. On the other hand, my paternal parent gave me no Nigerian blood at all but a great diversity of other West African, Central West African, Bantu, Southern Bantu, uh, of course, a European, Northwestern European, gave me a little more diversity in that connection to uh, my indigenous bloodline. And again, this is my Ancestry.com result that I'm sharing with you. Now, when you go into your 23andMe. And 23andMe is different. Uh, 23 is gaining in popularity, but still has not caught up to the popularity of Ancestry.com that came out first. So you're more likely to find um, direct blood relatives that you may may already know in Ancestry.com. And and I've discovered, um, well, I have siblings, of course, half-siblings, and then first second cousins that I never knew anything about that I've discovered in Ancestry.com. 23andMe, I'm finding more second to third cousins and further out that I'm less likely to be familiar with. Many of the family names I've never heard of before. However, 23andMe goes back much further in time than Ancestry.com. It goes all the way back to, it it traces Neanderthal footprint and how much of that is present uh, in your DNA. So with 23andMe, in terms of your ancestry composition results, at the heart of your ancestry composition report is your ancestral breakdown, a list of your population, regional population percentages, arranged in a hierarchy from the continental level to the regional level. Listed below each regional population percentage, you may also find matches to groups of people who share more recent ancestry with you. So to determine your ancestral breakdown, they use an algorithm that individually looks at short pieces of DNA across your genome. They compare each piece to DNA from reference populations from around the world, thousands of individuals with known ancestry, and when a piece of your DNA resembles the DNA from a specific reference population, 
with a high degree of confidence it is assigned to that population. Now, sometimes a piece of DNA resembles reference DNA from several populations, in which case it is not assigned to a broad ancestry, for example, North, Northwestern European. If a piece of DNA does not closely resemble reference DNA from any population, then that piece of DNA shows up in your results as unassigned ancestry. And I'm going to say that again because some people find that curious. If a piece of DNA not closely resembling any reference DNA from any other populations that they already have access to, then that piece of DNA shows up in your results as unassigned ancestry. And so that could really be, what, two things, uh, uh, unknown human DNA roots, which I find that almost unlikely because when you look at the colored map in 23andMe, when I look at my colored map in 23andMe, there are no empty spaces. They've covered almost the planet. There are some white regions that are not covered uh, around Ngorgo Crater uh, in Russia. Um, and, and, and there's a country, uh, Ukraine. Uh, and then there's another region. There's no names here. I'm trying to figure out from my memory what country I'm looking at. Uh, but it's west of Ukraine. Um, there's a big country in between Ukraine and this empty space on my map. Uh, and then a, a region in the Middle East, two larger regions in the Middle East that are uncharted or on map. And so where that is coming from is still... Um, Undetermined, and so it's listed in 23 and me as unassigned. And these un assignments are tailored across my genome or your genome in your case to determine your, your final results. And by default, your results are calculated at a 50% confidence level. You can see how high your results change with different confidence levels in what's called the chromosome painting section, and that's that uh, colored map that I was uh, just referencing that, that I'm looking at. Uh, clues about the locations, languages, or ethnic groups of your recent ancestors are intended to complement your ancestor breakdown and provide a more recent detailed view of your ancestry. To determine these results, we identify a group of people with known or shared ancestry based on their DNA and reported ancestor information. These individuals act as a reference who represents specific ethnic, ethno-linguistic groups, and with over 400,000 reference individuals, 23andMe can identify 2,000 different regions and genetic groups across the world. Then to match you to a genetic group, they look for identical pieces of DNA that you have in common with the reference individuals. As a customer database expands, as our customer database expands, the number of reference individuals and genetic groups will continue to grow, enabling ancestral insights for all customers. And that's why I say your results don't change, but they grow or they evolve with more information. And we all like to evolve our awareness and do, when you know better, you do better. 
So for each match to a genetic group, whether it's a group of people with known connections to a country, a language, or an ethnic group, they indicate a confidence in the result reported as, and I quote, possible match, likely match, or highly likely match. And if they are not able to detect a match with confidence, they will report it as not detected. So if you have a match to a group that is within a specific country, you will see that country on both sites, Ancestry.com and 23andMe, you will see that region in your Ancestry composition map. And in some cases, you may also see evidence of ancestry from more specific subregions within that country, down to the state or even county level. And if you can match to a group associated with specific ethnicities, languages, or cultures, you will see a regional outline on your map. That represents who, I'm sorry, that represents where those individuals say their ancestors are from. And unlike your country matches, these outlines typically do not match political borders. Understanding that ethnic groups, particularly in, in you know, the more aboriginal regions of the world, um, which is the whole world, moved around, and then political borders and boundaries were created and, 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 and in many cases enforced upon them. And so our results are a living analysis and will improve over time as more people with known ancestry uh, contribute to the, to the gene pool. And again, that's either by giving DNA um, or scientists uh, being able to harvest DNA from, from other sources. Now, beneath that, there is um, what they call all 252 tested populations. And then there's a reference data set. And then there's my personal results data set. And so within my personal results data set, what I found really curious that I thought you might be interested in is the beginnings of ethnic breakdown. And so as I just stated earlier, that they're not able to be as specific yet in many cases. So in many of these ethnic groups, uh, I'm listed as not detected. I'm 33.4, well, let's start by saying I'm 81.5% sub-Saharan African, 81.5% sub-Saharan African. Is that black enough for you? I'm 70.8% West African, 70.8% West African. I am 33.4% Nigerian. And the and, and although they've detected Nigerian DNA in my ancestor breakdown, they have not been able as of yet to specifically identify locations that represent ethnic groups like Bamilike, Bamilike and the Kone people, Edo and Ijo people, the Isan people, the Igbo people, Yoruba people, and, the, and of course, Nigerian from, from a broader uh, context. 
but they're on the list. And so for some of you, those areas will be highlighted. And I've already stated that my mother gave me 39% of all of my Nigerian DNA. In the Ghanaian, Liberian, Sierra Leonean, 15.9%. But it then lists Ashanti, Ewe, Fon, Ga, Dongme, Fonti people, the Mindi people, people of Nigeria, Timne, and Limba people, and then Ghana, Liberia, Sierra Leone in a broader sense. Senegambian and Guinean, 8.1%. And this is important because it lists, in terms of specific ethnicity, Senegal as a region, as an ethnic region, Guinea as an ethnic region, Gambia, Cape Verde, the Mendinke people specifically as an ethnic region. And then it mentions Fula and Wolof people, of which I am listed as a likely match. And it's the only ethnic group so far that I'm listed as a likely match. Uh, I am probably Cameroonian, Mauritanian, 13.4%. Uh, Angolian, uh, Congolese, uh, and Southeastern African, 10.3%. Uh, so they're looking at the Congo, Mbundu people, the Luba and Kete people, the Shona and Nguni people, and, of course, the Democratic Republic of Congo. So we know that will change uh, probably in coming months, probably within the year. Uh, Southeastern Africa. Uh, Hadza, Sandawi, Kikuyu, Kamba people, the Luya and Luo people, Maasai, the Rundi people, the Kenya and the Rwanda ethnic region. They're looking at the Baka, Biaka, Mbuti people, African hunter-gatherer, of which I am broadly Congolese and Southeastern African according to 23andMe, um, less than 1%, 0.6%. And, of course, these, these uh, populations in my blood count get smaller on 23andMe. Uh, Ethiopian and Eritanean, people of Central and Western Ethiopia, Tigrinya speakers, e- Eritrea, Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudanese, South Sudan, Sudan proper, broadly northeastern African, um, broadly sub-Saharan African, I am 0.4%. Komani San is not yet detected. Um, 16.9% European, 1.4% East Asian and Indigenous American. Uh, and then I'm 0. 2% on a sign. Um, I would like to think that that might be the extraterrestrial footprint, but I don't know. <laughs> but I'm certainly grateful for having access to um, the information and you all's willingness to always sit through it, learn from it. Um, some of you enjoy it. Um, I'm certainly grateful. Thank you, uh, 
Jeffrey, it seems like the, the, the chat worked itself out. Uh, blessings, love, 77 to you as well. We certainly are grateful for you being with us. Um, yes, mother, 100% African. Uh, her greatest percentage, 41% Nigerian, with closest ancestors being Yoruba. That's uh, sexy red. Thank you for your contribution. Meanwhile, her dad is European. Uh, her African side overpowered all of that. <laughs> besides her hair, besides her hair, you can't even tell um, that that she has white. Uh, that, that's the case for many of us. I'm still almost a third uh, Western European, uh, though I'm 82 percent uh, African, and, and you, you can't quite quite tell. I'm probably not the darkest of blacks. I'm probably not the bluest of blacks. I probably don't have the nappiest of hair. Uh, greetings and uh, the Goddess Initiative. Uh, but you can certainly tell I'm African. And and you can tell both of my parents are, are African, but my uh, paternal parent tends to lean more towards what you would assume to have been um, the European bloodline in my family and um, the indigenous uh, bloodline, which show up um, certainly, you know, on his side of the chart. All of my indigenous American Mexican bloodline is on my uh, paternal parental side of the chart. And um, just all of that Nigeria is on my mama's side. All of that Nigeria and, and a little Bantu, I'm sorry, and a little Benin Tago, um, a little uh, Senegal, you know, is on my mother's side of the chart. It's, it's just interesting what um, crystallizes, if you will, in, in the Middle Kingdom. And, and, and we see mixes of, you know, rutilated courts and courts with other strong representations of, of other mineral footprints in it. And so we see a similarity in our genome. Yeah, I would agree. There's a very large uh, Yoruba footprint. And, and I wouldn't say necessarily either, um, Alexis, in America, as it came from Nigeria to America. Certainly we see a larger footprint in Brazil, where the largest percentage of enslaved uh, Africans were taken, by the way. Um, we see a large percentage in Central America, uh, in, in Cuba, and Puerto Rico, uh, primarily by way of the tradition, Kendable, Lucumi, uh, Santeria, Paulo, uh, Maria Leonza in Venezuela. Uh, so in that transporting, uh, sort of that breaking ground was south uh, of the border. And those, you know, who were broken, who were able to then endure Picking cotton, you know, and, and sugar sugarcane made their way north of the border. And so you didn't start seeing rice producers, uh, the Gullah Geechee um, Nation, um, the Carolinas, the Georgia coast. Um, you indeed see a great deal of Yoruba in the record um, coming to New Orleans. But you also see from the bite, B-I, GHT from the Bites of Benin, you also see a, a grouping of um, Airway and Fon and, and 
Hausa and, and other strong groups, Khoisan, uh, who, who make their way, you know, into America. And then there's that season of just rape and pillage and kidnapping um, when the country supposedly outlawed uh, the capturing of enslaved Africans and, and, and then bringing them here. Uh, and then just started capturing anybody black, free people, uh, indigenous people, just anybody, you know, that, that looked black, that, that they could get away with it. Uh, Susie, uh, Sexy Red, last summer, beloved. <laughs> Please forgive me. I get so many communications by the day. I just would not remember last summer, but I appreciate you. I, and certainly if you didn't have a chance to meet me, I, I wouldn't remember. But I'm certainly grateful that you do um, and that you'll find your way back to the city. Um, the city is jumping, as many of you have heard. Uh, we had an overwhelming holiday weekend, um, past two weekends, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, so things are at a roll. I just suggest people, you know, mind your business, mind your health, mind your wellness, uh, protect your your face and, and, and that of your children and, and those in your care, and um, just don't get distracted by uh, the politics and, and, and the news. I, for one, am masking up when I'm out in public. We have to mask up when we are filming TV, movies, documentaries, TV commercials, music videos. Masking is a requirement. Uh, There's a point in which we film, and then there's many points through the day when we're masked up, masked up, masked up. Uh, They even have a mask police who walks around set, you know, kind of toned down, random, you know, bored kind of looking individual that you would not notice while you're working. And all they do is kind of walk and wander and, you know, mask police. Put your mask on, pull your mask up over your nose. Hey, where's your mask? Do you need a new mask? Mask, 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 mask. It's, you know, it's the mask police. So that's how we're able to film. But, you know, cities are dropping some cities are dropping some cities are reenacting it's it's really weird it's really weird what's happening right now i pay attention to the variants the rise of the variants and certainly i pay attention not just to u.s news but to international news and often more importantly international news i will go to africa asia south america you know europe and, and then bring it on in to sort of come to a decision, into a conclusion. But, you know, it, it, ooh, we talked 50 minutes today. <laughs> All is a blessing. But before I run out of time, I really, really wanted to share something that I've been just exploring and enjoying and, and going through uh, for the past uh, year or so, really. And that is the grace of coin coin. Coin coin and the role of African women's spirituality and its impact on Creole culture. A good cousin of mine, I won't say her name, um, she may not be ready to expose our idea, so I won't say her name. Um, but a good cousin of mine, you know, we talked yesterday about formulating retreats and events 
um, for healing uh, and, and sort of take what we do and in, in the combination of what we do on the road and, and bring it to you where you are. Uh, and I've been asking now for some time that, you know, people would organize events um, that would, you know, give us leisure and, and convenience to come and travel, have reason to come and travel, uh, and sort of present what we do here um, to a larger audience uh, on the ground in, in cities uh, around the world. And so one of the documents that I've been really enjoying and exploring is, you know, the role of African women, spirituality, and the impact on Creole culture, uh, particularly here in Louisiana, um, um, written and organized by Patricia Heiser, Matoyer, Dr. Matoyer, and Luke Matoyer Sr. Uh, it was presented as a Creole Studies document in October of 2003 at Northwestern State University of Louisiana, Tulane University, and the Creole Heritage Center. But turning now to Africa, we find the legend of the creation of mankind out of clay among the silics of the White Nile, while ingeniously explaining the different complexions of the various races by the different colored clay out of which they are fashioned. They say that the creator, Juak, molded all men of earth, and that while he was engaged in the work of creation, he wandered around the world, and in the land of the whites, we find a pure white earth or sand, and out of it he shaped white man. Then he came to the land of Egypt, and out of the mud of the Nile he made red and brown men. And lastly he came to the land of the Shiloh, and finding their black earth, he created black men out of it. The way in which he molded men was this. He took a lump of earth and said to himself, I will make man, but he must be able to walk and run and go out into the field, so I will give him two long legs like the flamingo. And having done so, he thought again, the man must be able to cultivate his millet, so I will give him two arms and one to hold the hoe and the other to tear up the weeds. So he gave him two arms. Then he thought again. The man must be able to see his millet, so I will give him two eyes. He did so accordingly. Next, he thought to himself, the man must be able to eat his millet, so I will give him a mouth. And a mouth he gave him accordingly. And after that, he thought within himself, the man must be able to dance and speak and sing and shout. And for these purposes, he must have a tongue, and a tongue he gave him accordingly. And lastingly, the deity said to himself, the man must be able to hear the noise of the dance and the speech of the great men, and for that he needs two ears. So two ears he gave him and sent him out into the world a perfect man. And studies of the origin and development of African descent 
community, culture, and spirituality in Louisiana have been limited. This is primarily examination of the evidence for pre-colonial arrivals, the African slave trade to these regions, and the emergence of distinguishing African Creole culture. This paper sets at its principal task within the parameters of African Creole ethnology or ethnography, I always get this word tongue-tied, an examination of social being as narrative for Afro-Creole or African Creole studies about Creole identity. Such stories as these of Maria Therese Coincoin become the analyzable material not only for understanding these regionally and historically distinct societies, but also for their personhood and spirituality of the culture. We will move through the character of Coin Coin, the slave, her village, race, nationalism, femininity, motherhood, and healing. Coin Coin, the name, was believed to have been corrupted by French and Spanish spellers. You all understand that Louisiana was owned by the Spanish, was owned by the French, was owned by the Spanish, was owned by the French, was owned by the U.S. And so the name Coin Coin is believed to be the phonetic equivalent of Coin Quick, a name reserved for the second-born daughter of the Glitzy dialect of the Airway linguist group, which occupied the coastal region of Togo. Marie Therese, called Coin Coin, was, according to the church and civil record of the Naturalist Post, the second-born daughter of Francois and Marie Francois. In Togoland, the dimensions of the airway dyad of bought people and parents of the house are not the same as those of Western created master and slave relationships. According to Judy Rosenthal and Afa Diviner, Afa Diviner, I am an Afa Diviner, Yoruba speakers and ethnic Yoruba folks say Ifa Diviner, Airway and Fan, we say Afa divine in Togoland, and I believe the Igbo also say Afa. Uh, there's another ethnic group that says Fa, Fa, but they represent the divination system by which many of these societies in Western Central Africa uh, draw their uh, divinatory strength from. And so an Afa diviner in Togoland, the homeland of Coincoin, a shrine to worship the spirits of slaves once owned by slave owners in the United States should be prepared. Their spirits are powerful. They can help heal and protect you when you need them, if you honor them fully. And in Togo, both descendants of slaves and descendants of slave owners must give time to the slave spirits, take care of them, and lavish ceremony upon them. Coin Coin is unique because she was both slave and 
slave owners. And not to this, whiteness was a major element of identity in the racist West, which is a culturally culturally constructed notion. With African cultural practices and worldview, many of the airway spiritual beliefs in all likelihood influenced coin coin's beliefs as well. The African slave spirits were not foreign to the Creole culture. There's Creole culture in, 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 in Western Africa, around the coast of Africa. You all do understand that. Hospitality, for instance, remains a manifestation of African Creole culture. No one knows where coin coin is buried, which may have meaning within this belief structure. The various intertwined identities made vital in Cane River, Louisiana, implied that religion and spirituality played a central role in the cultures of West Africa as well. In her memoirs, Equiano, Ola Oda Equiano. I can't pronounce anything right today. <laughs> Ola Oda, I can't pronounce his first name today. Ola Oda, O-L-A-U-D-A-H. Y'all know who I'm talking about. O-L-A-U-D-A-H, Equiano, describes Igbo religion in present day Eastern Nigeria and observes that certain aspects of African religious beliefs resemble those found in Judaism and Christianity. And according to Equiano, as to religion, the natives believe that there is one creator of all things and that he lives in the sun and is girded round with a belt that he may never eat nor drink. But according to some, he smokes a pipe which is our own favorite luxury. They believe he governs events, especially our death or capacity. Some believe in the transmigration of souls in a certain degree. Those spirits, which are not transmigrated, such as their dear friends or relations, they believe always attend them and guard them from the bad spirits of their foes. For this reason, they always, before eating, put some small portion of meat and pour some of their drink on the ground for them. And they often make oblations of blood, of of chickens and fowl and and other beasts, at their gravestones. We compute the year from the day on which the sun crosses the line. And on its setting that evening, there is a general shout throughout the land. The people at the same time made a great noise with rattles, not unlike the basket rattles of West Africa, and hold up their hands to heaven for blessing. We do this still till till this day, every Sunday in Congo Square. It is then the greatest offerings are made, and those children whom wise men foretell will be fortunate are then presented to different people. I'm sorry, let me say that again. And those children whom our wise men foretell 
will be fortunate are then presented to different people. They have many offerings, particularly at full moon, generally two at harvest before the fruits are taken out of the ground. And when any young animals are killed, sometimes they offer a part of them as a sacrifice. Though we had no places of public worship at that time, we had priests and magicians or wise men, and they were held in great reverence by the people. They calculated our time and foretold events. These magicians were also our doctors or physicians. They practiced bleeding by cupping and were very successful in healing wounds and expelling poisons. They had likewise some extraordinary method of discovering jealousy, theft, poisoning, the success of which no doubt they derived from the unbounded influence over the crudelity and superstition of the people. The law of retaliation obtained almost universally, and even their religion appeared to have shed upon us a ray of its glory. Though broken and spent in its passage, are eclipsed or eclipsed by the cloud with which time, tradition, and ignorance might have enveloped it, for we have had our circumcision, we had our sacrifices and burnt offerings, our washings and purification. And and those words mirror something that I've said time and time again, that the descendants, the children of the middle passion, have indeed been through the, the deepest of initiation, the most intense of initiation. We certainly have proven our willingness to survive, our willingness to live, our willingness to be renewed and reborn in this quote-unquote so-called new world. But indeed now, in this present moment in time space, we are embracing our aboriginal and indigenous roots at greater degrees of depth, and that is beginning to show up in the very layers of our reality. And so Maria Therese, coin coin, and creolization. Legend has it that CoinCoin's mistress, Madame de Saint Denise, was in bad health, and the local physician could find no cure. I'm sorry. Legend has it that CoinCoin's mistress, Madame de Saint Denise, was in bad health, and the local physician could find a cure. CoinCoin gained from her parents' knowledge of African healing practices and was given the opportunity to save the dying mistress. But I really believe this document should read, he could not find a cure. He had to have not been able to find a cure uh, in order to sort of get past the ego of the mistress that they then presented CoinCoin to offer her African healing practices and knowledge and give her the opportunity to attend to the dying mistress. In appreciation, she was given manumission. And through this family's influence, manumission means she was given her freedom papers. And through this family's influence, she created a magnificent plantation, coin coin. The discussion of coin coin serves as a metaphor for the African diaspora and stands as a critique 
of the Creolization School. According to this interpretation, enslaved Africans did not generally share a common culture. Their religious beliefs, languages, and social structures varied too greatly to influence the economies and societies of Louisiana more than on occasion. The African dimension has been marginal in the genesis of society of Cane River, Louisiana, according to this interpretation. The diverse ethnic and cultural backgrounds of the slave population ostensibly limited the extent to which the African background could provide a common core, but typically was not accounted for. The embellished legends have sought to discredit much of the history of the Metoyer Jindu Kalua Libre in his article, Legends, Luis Nardini Senior claims that writers of the past have often helped create part of the legends about this woman. And so from the perspective of the original author of the document, and certainly of that time, they are still seeking to discredit, you know, the African wisdom, the African teaching, the African parables, the African skill set that we brought with us and that were utilized and, 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 and brought them profit uh, and, and reputation. But stand alone, we were still not counted, and certainly our, our knowledge was not counted. Uh, and so much like you hear many legends and rumors and superstitions and, 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 and haterism about Marie Laveau, you would hear that uh, as a, a contributing factor to many Creole stories um, as we try to go through history and give some recognition to to wisdom and truth where it is while weeding through the opinions of of the oppressor and the oppressive um, media book authors storytellers who would otherwise rewrite our story and in spite of this criticism, the creolization of the coin-coin Matoyer Alliance emphasizes the need of coin-coin and enslaved Africans to generate defensive mechanisms to protect herself from the arbitrary brutality of slavery. That is, creolization was essentially a reaction to slavery. She was a cultural survivor with symbolic and ritual value in this interpretation, but otherwise has had little substance in bridging the Atlantic gap. The extent to which her strong African influences affected the process of creolization generally remains an understudied topic. To what extent did being enslaved impact on her personal history and spirituality as a direct continuation of her family's experiences in Africa. And this is the most important question. To what extent did her enslaved impact on her personal history and spirituality as a direct continuation of her family's experiences in Africa? And this is why 
voodoo, hoodoo, root work, conjure, often demonized, dog, bastardized, commercialized, uh, appropriated, um, said to not be real. And certainly that translates to Africans of the Middle Passage here in America have no roots, have no real authentic connection to the traditions, have no real authentic connection, you know, to the magic. And so we give that to Jamaica, we give that to Haiti, we give that to Puerto Rico, we give that to Cuba, we give that to South America, we give it to Brazil, we give it to everywhere. But North American enslaved population. And so to what extent did her being enslaved impact on her personal history and spirituality as a direct continuation of her family's experiences in Africa? I say that if we could count in Africa, if you can count in Ewe, Fon, Yoruba, Igbo, Hausa, then most certainly you could count in Portuguese, Spanish, French, and subsequently English. And if you can remember how to count, you can remember your drum rhythm. You can remember your dance pattern. You can remember your ritual days. You can remember the ritual calendar. We have stories telling. I believe Aquianus was one of them who told the story of using the stars and the sky to navigate stolen slave vessels in attempt to return their back back to Africa, but but often they were deceived uh, again by the the uh, slave catchers and the slave uh, oppressors who were owning and, and driving these these ships. So creolization uh, has always been a direct response to Africanization, and creolization has emphasized the amalgamation of diverse cultures and historical backgrounds into a set of common subcultures. Revisionists often search for the African components in the evolution of Afro-American, American, Latin, French, Indian, Portuguese, and Caribbean identities. Revisionists shift the emphasis from the birth of a new culture and society to the maintenance of ties with the French, Portuguese, and other European homelands. The exchange of ideas and people between the diaspora and the homeland under slavery and the consequences were not only mediated through French connections, but in far more complex ways. To what extent was the enslaved Africans able to determine their cultural survival? To what extent were they agents in the continuation of tradition and the interpretation of real historical events? This emphasizes an agency and continuity questions the Eurocentricism and the American centricism of Cane River history that has dominated much of study of Creole culture. Instead, it would seem that Africa and the various layers of its diaspora should be perceived within a world perspective that attempts to understand historical patterns 
and change without being tied to nationalist, ethnic, or racial consideration. The pursuit of CoinCoin's history into the diaspora determines how slaves could create a world that was largely autonomous from white European society. Too frequently, the discussion of her African background has been too vague to establish many concrete links with the homeland. CoinCoin was only a survivor that in some ways was linked to an African descent in Togoland, a common, albeit vague, background, and one that many of us as descendants of the Middle Passage here share. But it is premature to conclude that there was no continuous historical experience for the enslaved African of Cane River. She was an enslaved African no matter how she was treated. She was an African no matter how she was treated and was a victim of her predicament. But she was still an agent of her African identity within the confines of slavery. As extensive scholarly literature now documents, slaves were often successful in asserting their autonomy, while white society and European culture, even while being enslaved. The analysis of the African content of CoinCoin's life in this quest for autonomy varied considerably among the different stories of her life in Cane River. For instance, specialists studying Brazil have long appreciated the dynamism dynamism, dynamism of these links. By contrast, the study of the United States until recently has largely ignored the specific African background of the enslaved population. This near autonomous approach identifies a Creole population without much African content. The challenge is to correct the Eurocentricism that has dominated slave studies by establishing the significance of specific survivors in historical context in importance. The contributions of coin coin aside, it is time to add an historical perspective that is rooted in African history to the examination of slavery in Cane River in Louisiana in the Deep South, and and certainly in North America. The slave trade and the movement of identifiable groups of people have to be tied to specific historical events and processes in Africa, and it must demonstrate what was and was not transferred to the African Creoles. From this specific Perspective, historical circumstances determine who was exported and who was not. And these circumstances might well influence who was active in promoting adjustments under slavery and preserving knowledge of our African wisdom. The different reasons for enslavement have to be distinguished as critical variables in determining what factors were important to the enslaved population. Whether CoinCoin's family became a slave as a result of war, famine, commerce, judicial punishment, or religious persecution really matters. The conscious 
deportation of political prisoners has to be distinguished from impersonal transactions in the fairs and marketplaces of Africa. Instances of mistakes need to be documented as a means of determining why individuals ended up in the Americas. Such examples include arbitrary alterations in the terms and conditions upon ship, failure to ransom, kidnap victims, and pandering, the seizure of individuals for debt or other compensation. Slaves can be examined as individuals and as recognizable groups of people who had personal and collective histories. It suggests that the methodologies and research results of the past several decades of African history can be used much more effectively in the examination of the conditions of the slaves in the matoyers of Cane River that have been, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in the matoyers of Cane River that has been the case. In the process of applying methodologies and research results rather than legendary accounts, we will also know more about the history of Africa itself with reference to Creole culture in Louisiana, specifically because it is now possible to say much more about the identities of the enslaved people, such as Coin Coin, whose family was brought to the Americas from Africa. We can now see the slaves of the Americas are not just an enslaved black generic population but also as Africans, individual Africans, who constituted a displaced population that behaved in ways that were similar to other displaced people at other times. The fact that people were forcibly transported from Africa in the case of slaves should not disguise the similarity with their other migrations. By comparing the movement of slaves across the Atlantic with other transatlantic migrations, it is possible to see Africans as active agents in reformulating their cultural and social identities in the Americas, and despite the oppressive setting to which they were subjugated. The issue of agency is important in unraveling the history of Africans outside of Africa. Scholars have taken the conscious actions of slaves into consideration in studying slave resistance, even extending their analysis to the ethnic origins of those deemed to be free. The extent to which specific historical situations influence this resistance has not been explored significantly. However, the study of religion, cultural expression, including music, cuisine, naming patterns, etc., and social relationships, kingship, ethnicity, and shipboard friendship in Cane River hinges on the recognition that people found ways to determine their identities on their own terms. Much more so than previously, these aspects of slave culture are features of conscious and not-so-conscious decisions made by people themselves in selecting from their collective experiences 
those cultural and historical antecedents that helped make sense of the cruelty of slavery in the Americas. And while many slaves were brutalized to the extent that they died without entry into meaningful and substantial forms of social and cultural interaction with their compatriots, many, like CoinCoin, more or less successfully established communities formulated their sense of identity and interpreted ethnicity under slavery and freedom. More than simply the foundation for individual and collective acts of independence, these expressions of agency involve the transfer and adaptation of the world of Africa to the Americas and were not mere attempts of some deluded African past. Slaves in Louisiana created a new social world that drew on the known African experience. Certainly the horrors of enslavement, the rough march to coastal, to coastal ports to, to be carried off in ships, and the trauma of the Middle Passage affected the psychological and medical health of the enslaved population. From the perspective of Africa, therefore, it is fruitful to examine the condition of slaves in Cane River on the basis that they were still Africans and not just slaves, fight their shadow status. The, the deracination that accompanied their forced migration and the sometimes haphazard and sometimes deliberate attempts of Europeans to destroy or otherwise undermine this African identity one of the most important institutions in the Isle Bravel community was the Catholic Church. The founding of the St. Augustine's Catholic Church by Augustine Matoyer stemmed from the colony's emphasis on religion. This determines that African Creoles interpreted their lived experiences in terms of their personal history, as anyone would, and in that sense, some aspects of the African side of the Atlantic did not continue to have meaning. And often slaves, former slaves, and their descendants still regarded themselves as Africans. And, and I don't know that that's a common knowledge among the mass population of, of, of African Americans today, that many of these descendants still regarded themselves as Africans in the broad sense that they had come from Africa, no matter whether they reinterpreted their identity in reformulated ethnic terms, Nago, Koramanti, Mandingo, Pau Pau, etc. In religious terms, male, Muslim, Congo, Christian, animist, or in some other manner. Efforts to return to Africa by boat or by joining the world of the ancestors through suicide have special meaning in this sense. They are perhaps the starkest examples of the continued association with Africa for many slaves. The process of creolization comes much more in focus with the merger of cultures in coin coins family. European and African, is perceived in terms that are more equal 
than is often the case. The Africa that entered the Creole mentality was neither static nor ossified. This process provides color to the subculture of the Matoyas and their descendants. This anthropological approach allows us to explore the formulation of the distinct context of slavery in Cane River, Louisiana. Current research of Coin Coin's life would add a historical perspective to the analysis. Would add a historical perspective to the analysis. This history of Coin Coin spirituality comes from an oral tradition and needs to be documented. For many slaves in the Americas, Africa continued to live in their li- in their daily lives. That experience included a struggle to adapt to slavery in Louisiana while securing quasi-freedom for her children and to reinterpret cultural values and religious practices in context. But frequently, maintaining a clear vision of the African past and more than a fleeting knowledge of developments in Africa after arrival in Louisiana made it difficult. And only when fresh arrivals stopped coming from a specific homeland did the process of creolization take root. Now, efforts to understand coin-coin situation in Louisiana have to take full cognizance of the political, economic, and social conditions in those parts of Togo as well. She was one generation removed from where the individual slaves had actually come. That is, the conditions of slavery were shaped to the considerable extent by the personal experiences and background of her parents. Her parents brought with them how to count the intellectual and cultural lens through which they viewed their new lives in Louisiana, and they made sense sense out of their oppression through reference to Africa as well as the shared conditions of auction block, plantation, and mine. How to get at this carryover of experience presents difficulties for researchers and scholars. But there is no reason to doubt that there was a transfer of experience as many more as 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 I'm sorry, there was a transfer experience any more than was the case with other immigrants, whether voluntary or involuntary. Uh, forgive, me, for I, forgive me, I'm just a little distracted by it the phone interruption. But basically they're suggesting that the carryover experience from the parents presents a difficulty for researchers, but they don't necessarily doubt that there was a transfer of experience any more than there is a transfer of experience with migrants or immigrants who make their way to America, whether it was in the time of, of enslavement or now, um, who carry their culture, their tradition, along with them. As a first approximation, it is essential to unravel the complicated and often incompletely known movement of coin coin family. 
from point of enslavement to coastal point, and from there to different parts of Louisiana. This exercise should include a study of the demography of trade, despite ongoing critique and revision, the regional origins of the Matoyas by specific time period, according to the age and sex, are now known with reasonable certainty. And certainly with the progress in DNA, we continue to gain access to information about our ancestors that I often use here in my house to get more clear and specific um, understanding about who we are and where we come from. The correlation of these quantifiable data with local political events and economic factors in broad outline is now possible as well. The numbers in themselves do not blame or condemn the participants in the slave trade. No matter how they are viewed, large or small, numbers cannot adequately express the terrible suffering of our people who were caught up in the trade. What demographic analysis can do, however, is contribute to our knowledge of the regional and ethnic origins of the exported slave population. Statistical data are therefore useful in determining why, when, and how individuals were enslaved, and indirectly may assist in revealing what aspects of personal experience were important to slaves prior to coming to Louisiana. And again, this is important because it speaks to the truth, the the authenticity of our continuing and ongoing experience. What exactly did we hold on to? What exactly did we remember? And then subsequently implant that, feed that into traditions that survive till this day. Um, I say there would be no church, not just black church, there would be no church in the America without the enslaved Africans holding on to this ancestral memory and then implanting that seed into the religion and and religiosity uh, that we often see and have to interpret today. The rhythm, the vibration, the spirit, the tongues, the foot washing, the wearing of white, the the choir marching in, the preacher uh, preaching like like a hip-hop artist, like a rapper, uh, rhyming and huffing and puffing, in 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 rhythm and vibrato is all African and is all an extension and a continuation of our legacy and our in our history. How much we remember. A neophyte book court, I, I believe Neil uh Enzo Khalifa uh, got you. The coin coin. just like the just like a quarter or a dime, coin coin. Uh but her name was, was spelled like one word. C-O-I-N-C-O-I-N. And so she's another ancestor that's not praised enough, that's not recognized enough. We, some of us know Anastasia, but, you know, we know Mother Moses, uh, but, but we don't know enough about coin coin and certainly Louisiana. And, and that's important not because I'm biased or, 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 or you know, to, to where I live and certainly to New Orleans and, and Treme, though I am biased. But from a historical perspective, 
um, she is a representative of a much larger pool of history and experience of who we are as a people. And then, of course, that evolved into the Mississippi Delta and Mississippi and, and travels to St. Louis and Memphis and, and Chicago and, and, and other regions of the country. Um, there was a lot of buying, selling, trading, kidnapping, running away, you know, and so our ancestors ended up in all regions, you know, of the country in, in some cases. And, and so these stories, this knowledge, this information is important in, in the continued validation of the authentic practice of voodoo here in New Orleans, certainly in Louisiana, Mississippi Delta, certainly in the Black South, and, and in context with our history, our remembered, shared, remembered history from the motherland, but certainly as we had to uh, amalgamate and secretize and sometimes cover and mask behind other um, traditions. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to find this kind of information, to read this kind of information, to uh, share this kind of information uh, with you and yours. And, and I pray that it continues to inspire you to continue on on, on your journey of self exploration because all of this begins with self exploration for me i'm trying to further understand and identify who i am and in doing so you you got to understand where you are and certainly you have to understand where you came from and how you got to where you are so i'm grateful thank you so much jeffrey odyssey for still being present your schedule is just as overwhelming as mine so I'm glad to see you're, you're, you're even still with me. And, and certainly thank you, um, Neophyte Bocor. Uh, as you know, there's so much more to this story. Oh, my God, I've only covered uh, six pages of my document out of 14. But, but I'm not going to do it to you. Um, I've only got 20 minutes. Um, my beloved is blowing up my phone, and at some point I am going to have to respond to her and find out why she's blowing up my phone in the middle of my my podcast that she knows without a doubt that I'm having at 12 noon U.S. Central Standard Time here on Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. I can also be reached when I'm live on air by way of my Block Talk Radio hotline at area code, and they've changed the number. Oh, my goodness. They've changed the number. So my new call-in number is area code 515 515-605-9718, 515-605-9718. One eight. Uh, so in the years that I've been doing this podcast, going all the way back to uh, 2006, just after Hurricane Katrina, um, this will be the third phone number for my show that I that I 
would have had to, you know, now memorize and then memorize again. So I'm, I'm grateful to still be here. I'm grateful to still be in the number. Um, I'm grateful to uh, still have a consistent family, community, house, audience who, who not only does the work, I'm grateful for those of you who are sitting in this chat room right now who are doing the work, who I hear from on a regular basis, who, who submit evidence, if you will, that they are doing the work. And, and then they live and raise families and, and pay their bills and have a life and have a schedule and still find a way to be present here at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time. So as I started the show, I'm, I'm certainly grateful to each and every one of you. Your commitment and dedication to the platform is, is certainly not lost on me. I pray that I'm doing um, the best job that I can in providing you um, up-to-date, practical, reliable, result-oriented information um, that you can utilize here in, pre- in this present time space. But also, in order to do so, we, we have to know where we came from. We have to understand our past, our heritage, our lineage, and then certainly apply that in a practical way to our present modern state of, of living and, and being. So I'm grateful. My new caller number is Erico 515. I'm going to get used to saying that now. Erico 515 Nine seven one eight, but I will be uh, moving on. I will be moving forward momentarily. So if you have a question or a comment, um, you might want to get that in uh, really quickly as I enter my wrap up for the day. I'm certainly available to you by email, 24 hours a day, at www.houseofthedivineprince. Dot com. Visit my website, click on my contact link. You can also send me a direct email at divine prince, divine prince at house of the divine prince.com. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Neophyte Boko, go back and listen to it in the archive again. <laughs> I'm just kidding, bro. Go back and listen to it in the archive if you have to, and, and, and just pull out all, all the meat and servings on that on that buffet table. But know that there will be a part two, and I will continue with more revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes. Now, somebody out there who half listened is wondering, well, what that got to do with voodoo? It's got to do with how we got from Africa to Louisiana. It's got to do with how the religion, the culture, the practice, and the tradition got from the Bight of Benin to New Orleans. Major port, New Orleans. That's what it's got to do with. (laughs) Okay. I'll see you in social media. I'll see you in your uh, predetermined appointment times. I certainly will see you in, in my email. I will certainly see you in my dreams. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Enjoy your day. Love and light. I say, I say, oh, I say. I love my community.
I love my audience. I love my supporters. You all are the best. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. We are going to close with some Congo Square. Congo Square, Congo Square. SOS Coalition said, save our souls. No city hall, no government buildings, no municipal organizational buildings in Congo Square. We must conserve and preserve what remains of the footprint of this historic tremade, the first black, free, black settlement. Congo Square. Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated the almost Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross and capitalism the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity but the terror of crosses notwithstanding we sang we beat we be we was and is hail congo square congo congo square Our African gods have not been obliterated. 
They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate. A world harrowed by the beat. Be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drum. Heart beat. Heart beat. Heart beat at this place. At this place beat. Heart beat. Beat. We beating place in new world space. Beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk. Our music, the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end. Connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now. 
And still, this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. Beat Congo Square. Be Congo Square. Beat Be Beat Be Remember. Yeah. 